Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, what's up, Pat? The Freedom listeners, thank you so much for dropping in to another episode. This is episode 114, and my guest is Henry Gonzalez. So Henry's someone that I was introduced to by mutual acquaintance and got to know a little bit of really enjoyed, um, you know, learning from his experience. And, you know, after talking to him one or two times, I was like, Henry, you got to come on the podcast and and tell this story. So Henry and his wife are multi-unit franchise owners with Stretch Lab, which is a boutique fitness concept. At least that's how I would describe it. Um, part of the exponential fitness uh, family of brands. And Henry and his wife are, as I said, multi-unit owners. So they've got uh, at least two locations open at the time of that we recorded this podcast and, and very likely have their third location open by now. So Henry talks a little bit about why they were attracted to franchise ownership in the first place. He shares how he and his wife have been able to balance building their franchise businesses um, with his corporate career. Uh, Henry's a very successful executive in the medical device industry. They have also done real estate investing and continue to do more investing in real estate. So I think some really good perspective from from Henry in terms of you know how franchise ownership fix fits into their overall wealth building strategy and how they've been able to juggle that with the other responsibilities that they have in their life, including uh, Henry's corporate career. So ton of good information here, good perspective. I think everything Henry shares will resonate with so many of you listening in. And I imagine a lot of you listening are, you know, at a similar place to where Henry and his wife were, you know, several years ago, contemplating, you know, how can they add other income streams and and ultimately set themselves up to not have to rely on having an employer. One of the things Henry shares in this episode is that at the time of recording, he's actually planning his his exit from his corporate company so that he's got more time to focus on the franchise businesses that they're building, the real estate investing, and also just, you know, starting to enjoy some of the flexibility that, you know, their other investments are are creating for them. So again, a lot of good information here. Really, really enjoyed hearing from Henry and learning from him myself. So without further ado, let's go ahead and drop in with Henry Gonzalez, multi-unit franchise owner for Stretch Lab. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thank you so much for dropping into another episode. Today, I have the privilege of being joined by Henry Gonzalez. And Henry and his wife, Ada, are franchise owners for Stretch Lab, um, which is a, a what I would consider, I guess, boutique fitness brand um, that I've worked with for years now. Henry and I got introduced through a mutual acquaintance and 
Uh, I thought it'd be great to have him come on the podcast and talk a little bit about his experience as a franchise owner, how he got into it and, uh, you know, where he kind of sees himself going from here as a franchise owner. So, Henry, with that, thank you so much for dropping in. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here. Yeah, heard, likewise. Heard, heard great things about the show, so it's an honor. Well, hey, I I, um, I appreciate that, and I know you're busy, so really appreciate you making the time uh, to do this. I've been looking forward to it. So, you know, tell tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, um, you know, kind of where you live, what you were doing prior to, you know, becoming a franchise owner, and also kind of what you still do, because owning a franchise is not the only only professional thing that you have going on right now. Yeah, no, uh, happy to share. So, you know, I've, I've spent, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina now. We've been here about seven years and I'm originally from South Florida, from, from Miami. I've spent the last 19 years in the medical device space and it has been just a wonderful journey, wonderful journey. Worked, had the privilege to work for some great companies. And so uh, the company I work for now makes robots for surgery. I'm a sales director for them and uh, just, just learned a ton. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really privileged to work around people who are a lot smarter than me. Um, you know, the the desire to kind of go into franchising, man, was probably, I'd say, right before COVID. And during okay. COVID, just yeah. some reflection that I think everyone has gone through in some form or fashion of their life. And I reflected like, man, I've had this great run. And listen, I get to do some, some things, go on a vacation with the family. There's certain privileges, but you know, as I listen to a lot of folks that are mentors or, or read stories of folks that have been successful, I just noticed that most of them had invested in stocks, real estate, and businesses. Yeah. And as I really reflected on my my own portfolio, my own journey, I was heavily weighted in really one of those, and that was stocks. I got the privilege to work for a company that you know had some shares. That, okay. that, you know, you could earn over time, sure. but I was heavily weighted in one of them. And I said, you know, maybe I should diversify that a little bit. And so my wife and I got into vacation rentals. It's kind of like the second pillar, if you will. And we yeah. got into a little bit of real estate and, and, you know, that went really, really well. And then I, you know, through my wife had a friend who uh, knew or, or that friend owned uh, the franchise of Pilates in the Raleigh area. Yeah. Okay. And I was like, man, you know, could, could we just kind of maybe connect and, and have lunch with this guy one day? So long as short, got the, got his phone number, called him up and he's like, yeah, let's meet in a couple weeks. Let's do lunch. And as I, you know, listened to his journey, his name is David Shook. I mean, consider him a mentor, really okay. brilliant guy. He's actually one of the largest franchise owners now in exponential. Oh, really? Does he own he Does he own more than Club Pilates now? Does he own other of their brands or he just has a lot of Club Pilates? So I, I believe he's still heavily weighted in Club Pilates, but I, okay. I know he's always open to other things. Um, and, and so, you know, having lunch with him, just hearing his journey and his background, I'm like, well, you know, listen, this guy kind of comes from a similar walk that I do. And, um, you know, when he told me, you know, the, the upside potential of franchising, I was really blown away. I almost didn't believe it, to be honest with you. I was yeah. like, yeah, you sure about that? I mean, so long and short, my wife and I get on a flight and we go to uh, to visit the expo headquarters. And we were actually looking at like Yoga 6, Pilates, and some of their other concepts. And after okay. a couple of days of PowerPoints and what have you, my wife, who's a physical therapist, is walking through the, the lobby on the way out. And she's like, what's Stretch Lab? I'm like, 
honey, I don't know. I'm, I'm exhausted. Let's go back to the hotel and just call today. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> kudos to her. She's like, no, I want to know what Stretch Lab is. <clears throat> Their chief marketing officer comes out, spur to the moment. <clears throat> His name is Mark. He's absolutely fabulous. And um, tells us kind of their vision of what it is. And it's to help people with mobility and flexibility. And she goes, I would like to, um, to go visit one. Oh. Well, guess where I what, guess where we go that night? We go to get stretched, man, right down the street at, at one of the studios. And uh, we we both get off the bench. We we did like a couple stretch, and we call it love at first stretch. We're like, man, that was amazing. That's cool. And we're like, you know, we we would love to bring something like this back to Raleigh. I think it could help the community. So uh, we went through to different states, visited studios, talked to owners, did our diligence, and yep. we said, you know what, this this helps us solve a problem we're in, and. We initially started with three. Um, you know, we bought the rights to open three. And shortly thereafter opening the first, we actually bought the rights to two more. And, and so now we're, we're looking to do five and maybe grow from there. Yeah, it's such a cool story. And, and thank you for sharing that. And, and there's a couple of things I'd love to, to kind of unpack with all that. But before we do that, I mean, just for the audience listening, give us kind of a, a quick overview. What is Stretch Lab? Uh, and, and you mentioned exponential fitness. And so for those that have listened to the podcast for a while now, um, exponential fitness, I've had, uh, Lance Freeman, who's an executive with, with exponential fitness on the podcast. I'll put a link to that episode in the show notes to make it easy for people to find, because he does a good job in that episode, just kind of giving a high level overview of what is exponential and how do they support the franchise owners across the now 10 brands that they own all in kind of this boutique fitness sector, but stretch lab specifically, um, you know, you mentioned stretching, but Kind of give us a at least a high level overview of you know what are what does Stretch Lab provide for their clients? Sure. Well, you know if you look at the exponential family, currently there's ten brands, and there's everything from rowing to yoga to Pilates, what have you. The only recovery concept within those ten, if you think about it, is Stretch Lab. And what we yeah. loved about the concept is it's recovery, so it's not competing; it's actually complementary to those brands. In addition to an Orange Theory and F forty five, right? Um, and, and so that was very appealing. The other thing we liked about it is the demographic that comes to a stretch lab is about 50, 50 male to female. Mm -hmm. uh, we've actually been located next door to club Pilates and a lot of the wives come out and go, you know, my husband won't go do yoga, but he, he would do this because yeah. he needs help with flexibility and mobility. Yep. And so, um, that's a little bit about stretch lab as far as it goes with expo and expo has whatever 3000, you know, boutique studios across the globe. Yeah. So very seasoned curator of, of, of those wellness brands stretch lab. What we do is, you know, we help people their freedom of, of movement and, and we believe that, you know, you should be able to live your life without constraints. And so if you think about, you know, our clientele who comes in, we have everything from Carolina hurricane hockey players that come to, to stretch with us in their off season awesome. to football players, uh, high school athletes to look, I'm a 46 year old guy who tries to stay active. If, mm -hmm. if I'm not stretching at my age, dude, you get up a little different in the morning. Oh, Let's call it what it is. No doubt. I mean, I'm look, I'm 35 and over the last couple of years, I've really come to appreciate stretching you know, before I do any sort of a workout or training and also just in the morning, because I mean, I've had back issues and stuff and, and we can maybe get into this later, but you actually, uh, you and your wife now own the rights to open stretch lab in Wilmington where I live. So 
I, I'm ready for you guys to to get a location open because I promise you I will be uh, I will be a client and I will be in there on a regular basis because it makes a big difference, right? Having someone that knows what they're doing helping you stretch versus you just you know trying to do it on your own. It does, and, and one of the gaps that we just saw because as a as a business owner, you always look for where where is there a problem that you can help solve with with the business, right? Sure, and, and with your people. And what my wife saw that I didn't see her being a PT was, well, when you go to physical therapy or you're getting some kind of care, there's a limit to how much manual time they can give you. And then after your insurance is up, where do you go to continue to get that help with your mobility or flexibility? And Stretch Lab kind of fills that gap, I think, in in wellness to give people an option to, to, to help with that. We do also accept flexible spending and health savings accounts, which so while we don't build insurance... Yeah, while we don't bill insurance directly, we're membership based. We do have that option to pay with pre-tax dollars, which is really nice. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's great. So we we really like that that unique fit. You know, what Stretch Lab does, they they really are taking the PNF technique, which stands for proprioceptive neuromuscular facilitation. It's just a technique that physical therapists have used for decades. There's tons of literature behind it. If you see athletes on the sidelines in a game, they're working with a trainer getting stressed, they're doing PNF technique. So it's a okay. hold and release technique that just yep. really advances your range of motion. And so all Stretch Lab does is make that available to the masses where, hey, you can actually get this PNF technique in addition to some uh, technology in the studio to help you measure your results and get more, more mobile and flexible. And if you're committed to like anything else, it really works. Yeah. Well, and you made a great point earlier. Like if you're looking at because because for people that have researched franchise opportunities in the past, right, the fitness sector within franchising is is a pretty big sector. Uh, I've seen people kind of at first glance say, yeah, it's it's very saturated. Right. But you've got all these different types of fitness businesses. And I use fitness as kind of a broad term, but you've got boutique fitness, which is very different from like an anytime fitness or a 24 hour fitness. It's usually, you know, if you're looking at it kind of from a business model standpoint, smaller footprint. So, you know, your upfront capital requirements are not as high because you don't need as big of a location. Um, but stretch lab is very interesting in kind of this, um, you know, suite of brands that exponential owns because it is really the only recovery one. And it's, it's one where you could easily see, and I'm sure you have examples of this in your locations where you've got members with Stretch Lab, but they're also members with at least one other exponential fitness concept because it is that, that recovery. The other thing I've kind of noticed with Stretch Lab, because I've worked with a few people uh, over the past year and a half, two years that have um, gone on to start Stretch Lab franchises and a couple of the other exponential brands as well. But Stretch Lab is really interesting to me too, because it it seems like you have kind of a wider demographic uh, of client that that you could target, right? You could have, you know, even someone that's a little bit older, that's probably not, you know, a monthly member for like a, a club Pilates or, or even like an, you know, F45 or Orange Theory, you mentioned those earlier, but stretching and maintaining that mobility is going to be good for them, right? Um, you could even have younger people, right? I've, I've heard, um, got a guy out in Oklahoma City that that owns a stretch lab and he's got, you know, kids that that will come in 
you know, it could be rehabbing an injury or, or whatever. But um, the other thing that's that's interesting to me about it and, and curious, you know, if you guys have seen this, especially with your wife being a physical therapist, there seems to be more opportunity with Stretch Lab compared to most other kind of boutique fitness brands to develop strategic referral partnerships, right, where you could go and network with orthopedic surgeons and you know, anyone that's that's already got kind of a client base or has patients that are going to benefit, whether it's long term or at least short term from having someone that that knows what they're doing, stretch them out and, and help them increase and improve their mobility. So those are kind of things that that have really stuck out to me specific to Stretch Lab that really differentiates it from a lot of other models or concepts in kind of the same category. And there's a lot of other great concepts as well, but stretch lab is very unique. And, and those are things that I've, I've always really kind of appreciated about it. Yeah, I agree. You know, just recently, my wife and I met with the president, of one of the largest uh, physical therapy um, companies in the state of North Carolina, actually nationally for that matter. And he, he shared with us, they have about 600 patients a month that, insurance is done and these folks need to transition to some other modality care. Now, mm. currently when we met with their teams in one of their offices, they may refer them to massage or a personal trainer that maybe has some specialization, but there, there isn't really a set go-to transition for these folks. And that's where I think stretch lab really has an opportunity to help people with that continuous pathway of care. Um, so we're excited about that. Uh, I think the opportunities are, are endless and, you know, man, when we opened the first studio, it was it was in January of, of, of last year. It was still during the pandemic. And we weren't sure how that was going to go, i got to be honest. Yeah, it was and tough timing. It was tough timing, but I'll tell you, the amount of people that were coming in saying, you know what, I'm just not as mobile. I Zoom for work. I sit for eight hours a day. Uh, I drive now for hours on end, and I need help. My lower back and my hamstrings and my hips are just, you know, concrete. Yeah. Um, and these are people that not only it's their daily routines that are making the type, but they're still also trying to be active and do things. Sure. Uh, and, and so we saw such an opportunity to help the community that it was very eye opening and that hasn't changed. Yeah. And I don't expect it will. I mean, the, the modern kind of life that, that most of us lead is um, great in a lot of ways, but it's also not very conducive for like good posture. And like, I'm seeing, I'm hunched over my desk. Like I've, I've had to buy sure. a stand up desk and like a balance board and like all this stuff. Cause I spend so much time in my office and it really has taken a toll on my back, my, my neck, um, hips, all of that. So, um, yeah, no, no doubt the need will continue. And, and the other thing that's been interesting to see, at least from my perspective over the last several years is, you know, one of the, in my eyes, positive that came out of, you know, the pandemic is that a lot more people do seem to be wanting to be more proactive about taking care of themselves. Um, it seems like, you know, for, for a lot of people, there's kind of this awareness that, Hey, there's, there's a lot of things that I can proactively do to, you know, make me less susceptible to getting sick and to give me more longevity and, and just help me, you know, live a better life and do the things that I want to do. And, and stretch lab fits into that very nicely. Um, I want to, I want to get a little bit, uh, perspective in terms of, cause one of the things I talk with 
anyone that I'm working with that is interested in exploring franchise opportunities, as you know, I do consulting. So I've got kind of this network of franchise companies, you know, about 250 of them that I work with and have relationships with and have a pretty good understanding of their, their business. Um, the first thing I, I talk with people about, you know, besides kind of what are your, what are your goals? Um, is we work to define what I call their ideal role as a business owner, right? Because that's going to look different depending on the type of business that you're in. So, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, your career in medical devices, right? Which is a, a very lucrative career. Um, and, and so talk to us a little bit about what is your role as the owner looked like since you started Stretch Lab? Because you've been doing this while continuing to grow your, your corporate career, correct? Um, so share, yes. share with us kind of what that's looked like and, and where do you spend most of your time and energy as, as an owner of Stretch Lab? Sure. So, you know, I'll tell you, it's been probably almost a three-year journey <clears throat> from the time that we took that trip out to California to where we are today with now the second studio opening and looking at the third by okay. year end. And uh, look, man, I, I'm not going to lie. It's, there's a lot of nights and weekends yeah. um, and Sundays that, that we have put in. Now, I was fortunate in that I had my wife, who's more of the face and has been there more for the day-to-day -day operations because I'm very limited because I have a commitment I have to keep still to my employer and I have. Sure. Uh, but my role has been more, you know, helping with hiring behind the scenes of, you know, negotiating leases, uh, working with the attorneys, right? All the things you have to do behind the scenes to create a team to build your organization. And so um, while I love to be customer facing, I just haven't been able to as much because of, of my other obligations. Sure. Um, that will change going into next year. I, I, my wife and I have made a decision to transition to this fully together and we couldn't be more excited about it. Awesome. Um, but that, you know, when, when you meet with Expo, they'll tell you, Hey, you know, it's an absentee owner model. Maybe that works for some. I, I think yeah. you still, especially when the business is young and you're building a team, there's a lot of owner involvement. So I don't, I want to, you know, be clear with that, that there's going to be a lot of time put in yeah. a lot of time. There has to be, especially, especially with location number one. Right. Um, and, and I'll be curious because so you're, you're getting ready to open number two or is number two already open? No, number two is now open. And okay. uh, my analogy, it's, it, it's, you know, I'll tell you from a growth perspective, as much as, you know, like my current job, I lead a team of about 40 people and I have okay. managers that roll up to me. So I'm used to like scaling, delegating and building teams to run without you. It's almost like you have to learn it all over again as a business owner. It's the craziest thing. And so, you know, Studio One was a monster success. It's one of the highest revenue studios in the country, wow. uh, you know, and, and then you got to go open number two. And I, I use the analogy, it's almost like children, like, you know, that first child you're so protective with. And, you know, <laughs> if the thing falls on the floor, you're boiling it in 30 seconds. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then you have a second one, you're like, all right, three second roll. Like, you yeah. know, you, yeah. you let some things go and, and it's hard. But at the same time, if you don't do that, you never let the teams grow without you and learn. Yeah. And, and you got to be okay with letting them make mistakes. And it's almost accepting, you, you try and expect excellence, but not perfection. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, that's such a good point, I think, for people to hear because, look, the vast majority of people, 
at least that, that I work <laughs> with, you know, their whole reason for exploring franchise opportunities and, and being drawn to business ownership is at least long-term, they want to create more freedom for themselves, right? They want to have more control of their time. Well, as a business owner, you have to be able to, to build teams and delegate in order for that to actually become a reality. Unfortunately, a lot of people get into business and they end up working harder and far more for a long time than they did before they were business owners. Yes. Um, so that that kind of letting go, I think, is is challenging for a lot of business owners. I know, you know, my wife and I have struggled with that a little bit in the franchises that we own which are very different types of businesses than something like a stretch lab. But, you know, my, but the first franchise we, we uh, started, which we still have is there's an in-home sales component, right? So my wife kind of dove in, in the beginning, Uh, she ran all of our sales appointments for at least the six months before the first six months before she really started building out a sales team. And I can remember her really struggled because she was just naturally great at it for whatever reason. She was in pharmaceutical sales before. Um, so she hadn't done anything like that, but naturally good at it, enjoyed it. She had a lot of trouble letting go with, we call them designers, our salespeople, letting new designers go run appointments. And she would go and shadow, but you know, she'd kind of been told by a more experienced franchise owner in that business, hey, the best thing to do is just stand back and watch and and then coach afterwards. Don't like interject. Don't try to bail them out. And so my wife would always refer to it as watching the train wreck happen. And she, you know, she'd come home after like riding on a couple of sales appointments with a newer designer and just be like, literally my tongue was almost bleeding in my mouth because I was biting my tongue so hard, trying not to, to interject and just watching the train wreck happen. And, but that's important, right? Because that's the only way you can get that, that type of scale. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out, and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected, and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people 
determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. And I want to circle back to, to something you mentioned earlier. You said absentee ownership. That's another important point for people to understand because I connect with a lot of people that are similar to you, right? They've got a great corporate career, good income, good benefits. Like they'd be crazy to walk away from that. But they they have this kind of desire, like, like you described, that they want to diversify. They want to have multiple income streams. And ultimately, they just want to be in a place where they don't have to rely on an employer if they don't want to, right? Uh and so I have to really make sure there's realistic expectations when I'm talking with someone like that. And one of the very first things I tell them is there is no such thing as an absentee franchise. There are franchises that are kind of designed so that you as the owner, it doesn't necessarily need to be your full-time working priority. You know, if you have a career where you have good flexibility in your schedule and you kind of control your schedule there are franchises that are kind of designed for those types of owners. I would say Stretch Lab is one of them. So I, I call it semi-absentee. And even with that, you really still have to do the due diligence on the specific franchise you're looking at. And you have to really understand, all right, what's going to be expected of me or what's going to be necessary of me as the owner to make sure this is successful? And, and do I have the bandwidth to, to actually do that? It's always great when there's, you know, a, a spouse involved and you can kind of divide and conquer, you know, the roles of the owner. Um, but but that's something that I think is important. And the other thing is your role as the owner changes over time. Right. I would I would imagine that how you spend a lot of your time today is not exactly the same as it was when you were trying to get your very first location open. Um, I would imagine it's changed some and, and will continue to as you open more locations. Yeah, I, I think it transitions from like operator to, you know, you have to transition a mindset of now that I've built a team, right? So, so before it was like me, wife, you know, maybe one other person. And, and then you start to scale, you got to transition mindset of, all right, now my job is to remove obstacles for people, mm-hmm. right? I like and if that. I can remove those obstacles for people to ensure their success, then they continue to grow and get better. And I, I tell my wife all the time, like, don't think of the team you have today, but think of the team you'll have in a year if you make deposits every day, right? Yeah. And that's that's the vision we try and create. What I love about the franchise model that I think is so great, especially for folks that are trying to transition like from corporate America mm-hmm. to doing like their own business, is corporate America likely, likely taught you, you know, a business will run great if you got the right people, the right process, and the right culture, Right. And what I love about franchising is they kind of create that process for you that if you just execute the playbook, it probably goes pretty well. Yeah. And so instead of having to create your own payroll system or your own point of sale system and, you know, best practices and training programs, that would take, I don't know how many hours and years to, to, to create, they kind of already do that really well. And then your job is to make sure it executes and the process goes well and you create a great culture within your own company. So people stay with you, want to grow with you. And if you do that well, it can be very rewarding. Yeah, it's very well said um, because it's it's true. And and that's where, you know, doing the the research, right, is so important, though, because not all franchises are created equally, right? So, you know, you want to get into a franchise 
like Stretch Lab, where they've got the systems and processes, they've got a track record, and and you know it works. You know, you're able yes. to look at and and talk to other franchisees that are you know further ahead, and and they're having success because they're following the systems and and the playbook. So that's that's such a good point, and you know it's it's something I run into a lot, and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this because. You know, from from what I know about your background and your wife's background, Stretch Lab really does kind of seem like a natural fit, right? You've been in medical devices, you know, company that builds robots for surgery. Like there's some synergy there. Uh, and then with your wife being a physical therapist, definitely, you know, some some similarities, I would imagine. Do you feel like if you and your wife had different career tracks than what you have do you feel like you still could have been successful with a, a concept like stretch lab does that question make sense it does i i think you can you know i think i take it back to if you still build the right people the right process the right culture uh, you can make any concept you know probably do pretty well i, I think it was just a unique fit for yeah. us because she comes with a passion of improving people's lives and how they move, being a physical therapist. Yeah. And, and I had the good fortune of working for organizations that they weren't about just driving revenue. They were about a mission. Mm. And if you could get behind a mission and, you know, so for us it's, Hey, how do we help the, the Raleigh community or the Wilmington community get more mobile and flexible? And you keep that as your North star Mm. everything else takes care of itself. You're probably going to open more locations. You're probably going to be financially, you know, happy with the results. Yeah. Uh, but it's got to be mission first. And, and so this really called out to us probably because it was a unique fit, but I, I'm, we're so behind the mission to help the community that it just keeps us grounded. Yeah. I love that. That is, that is so important, you know, to understand, I think that, you know, if, if you do, get into business for yourself. Like you really need to have a bigger why than just, Hey, I want to make, I want to make money. Right. Because that stuff will come if you keep your clients and your, your employees, your team, uh, you know, first and foremost, right. If you do the right thing by them, everything else you want will likely follow the revenue, the profits, the yes. uh, freedom of time. So, so I love that. Um, and, and I agree. I mean, I, it, it sounds like, I mean, Stretch Lab, just a very unique fit for you guys. And I love the story of how, you know, you went out to meet with Exponential, not even thinking of Stretch Lab and just kind of happened to uh, ask about it. And and it all came together. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's a misconception I run into, right, with people that I work with, uh, especially the people that have been, you know, very successful in corporate America they look at a lot of the different types of franchises out there and they're like, well, I don't have any experience in that industry. So how could I ever own, you know, a business that, that does that. And, and I think what you described in terms of kind of where your time is best spent as an owner, you know, really building, managing, leading teams, creating that culture. Uh, that's what people that, that are successful in corporate America and have kind of climbed the ranks with, with larger companies, that's what they learn. That's what they do. And that's what franchisors are looking for in their franchise owners. You know, there, there's always exceptions to that, but the, the majority of franchisors, they don't necessarily want their franchise owner being on the front lines, providing the product or the service themselves, at least not long-term. They want leaders, you know, that can can kind of have that vision 
and build the teams and, and set the pace for how to get there? Yeah, I'll tell you, in this journey, um, people will have more transferable skills from the things they've done to franchise and then they realize. And I, yeah. I would urge any of your listeners, just, man, take out a piece of paper, write down, what are just three or four things that you're really great at? And just double down on that. You know, yeah. for me, it was, I was able to build um, orgs with uh, talent to do more and I could run great process. So I'm like, hey man, what can I apply that to? Just double down on that. Yeah. So far, franchise has been kind of that, that next step for me. You know, I look at my wife. I mean, she spent almost 20 years as a PT. She didn't have direct reports or anything. Mm. It's pretty humbling to watch her go in there and be probably better at business than me. Uh, <laughs> but, and so, but I say that one because I, my admiration for her, but the other is, man, you can YouTube, read, or ask a mentor about just about anything. And if, you're, if you just have a mindset of solving problems and figuring things out, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And watching her is an inspiration of, she just figures things out. I mean, it's unbelievable. Sounds very similar to my wife. We uh, we probably need to to get them introduced because, yeah, I mean, Andy Pittman, who introduced us, would yeah. be the first person to tell you that any success we've had in our Shelf Genie franchise, which is how Andy and I know each other, uh, is 110% due to Kelly, my wife, and and nothing to do with me, which is accurate, but man, it has been amazing to watch, you know, her just kind of figured she didn't have that, you know, she worked in a few years in pharmaceutical sales. I think she was 26 or 27 when we started yeah. our first franchise. So she didn't have like a, a huge, you know, business background at that point. She just figured it out. Right. And so I think that's, that's so important to understand too, right. Is like owning a franchise is not, it's not turnkey in the sense that, it's all going to be done for you. It's turnkey in the sense that a lot of it's already been figured out, but you as the owner still have to implement and execute. Right. Yes. Um, and then I think in a lot of cases, I mean, this varies from, from, you know, one type of franchise to the next, but in a lot of cases, the best franchise owners, once their business is kind of established, you know, they followed the playbook kind of to a T to get it to a certain point, but then they, they like to push the envelope a little bit. They like to think outside of the box. And, and I think really good franchise brands encourage that because it's how they can continue to innovate and improve the system as a whole. Um, so I think that mentality is, is definitely important. Did you guys struggle at all with what I call FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Were, were there ever any moments you know, before you actually signed the agreements with Stretch Lab or, you know, wired them any money uh, or even after the fact, right, where you were like, this is crazy. What are we doing? Uh, are we sure we should do this? There's a lot of risk involved. I mean, in, any of that? Oh, my gosh. Not yes. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I probably have a little bit more gray in my on my head than three years ago, I started the journey. No, I say that kidding. A absolutely. Um, honestly, it was maybe at some points, if you really think about it, terrifying. Yeah. And what I finally landed on, I, it was probably three years of going back and forth of like, well, should we do this? Mm -hmm. And then should we do this full time? Like, mm -hmm. should I commit myself to just being an entrepreneur? And you know, it was three years of doubt. I got to be honest. It was yeah. almost torturous, like this remuneration of thinking about it over and over. And what I finally landed on that just really helped me was, man, what's the worst thing that could happen? 
And then I wrote that down and I made peace with it. Mm. And if you just make the peace of, Hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? And you're okay with, if that happens, let that fear actually be the energy that fuels and drives you to succeed. And I reflected back on, man, when I was in my twenties and I had nothing and it was nothing but grit and fear. And like, Hey, I, you know, I got to pay a mortgage now. Like I got family. I'm starting right. That remember that, that feeling. Yeah. Almost go back to that a little bit and let mm-hmm. that be your fuel and believe in yourself, be at peace with the worst case scenario. Just go forward. Yeah. And, and it's just amazing what can happen. Oh, it's such good advice um, because it's, it's normal, right? I mean, anyone, you know, we, we own two franchise brands now, right? I was scared when we did the second one. It doesn't necessarily get easier, uh, you know, just because you've even done it before. Like it's it's different, and there's still that uncertainty and doubt there. But so that's that's normal. I mean, that's how we're wired as humans, right? Like anytime we're about to step out of our comfort zone and do something that we haven't done before, we start trying to convince ourselves why we shouldn't. And so I, I think that advice is is so good. Just kind of you know really think through like logically too. what are, what are the worst case scenarios? Cause I think a lot of times our minds run wild with these kind of worst case scenarios. But if we really sit down and think about it, it's like, okay, that's, that's probably not realistic. What's a realistic worst case scenario. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tim Ferriss or not, but uh, I've read a lot of his books, uh, big fan of his podcasts and stuff, but so he did a Ted talk uh, years ago that has been really helpful to me. I share it sometimes with people that I work with and basically says the same thing you just said, right? Which is if you're struggling with a decision uh, because of like fear or doubt, take out a piece of paper, write down not only what is the worst case scenario, but also write out what can I do to prevent this from actually happening? And then write out, okay, even if I do these things and the worst case scenario still happens, which is pretty unlikely. What can I do to get back to where I am today? And he said, you know, nine times out of 10, if you really go through that exercise logically, you'll realize that the worst case scenario is not as bad as you initially imagined. There's a lot of things that you can proactively do to, to try to, you know, prevent that from happening. And even if it does happen, it's not as hard as we imagine to get back to where we are today. Um, so I, I think that's great advice because anyone going down this path or considering going down this path is going to struggle with the FUD, right? The fear, the uncertainty, the doubt. Um, any uh, just other, one thing. Yeah. yeah. One thing I want to add to that. I, I just, what we landed on and I heard Jeff Bezos say this in a talk he did, but he asked himself when he looked back and he's in his seventies or eighties, would he ever regret not trying to build Amazon and taking a shot at it? Or would he be okay with it? He said, you know, I would have, that would be one of my biggest regrets of not trying to build this company. Yeah. And my wife and I just said, what would we regret more? Staying with, you know, a nine to five or trying something new. And we're like, no, I would regret not having given it a shot. It would kill me to see scratch. So I'd be really well naturally, not a bit of part of that. Right. And um, we, we just decided to go that route. Yeah, that I love that too because that that was a mindset shift that I had, you know, at some point where it was like the fear of regret became more powerful than the fear of trying it and it not working out. Um, yeah. I think if you can get to that point mentally, because it's 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 one thing that people do overlook, right? They they 
you know, if we're, if we're talking franchising, they're looking at a franchise opportunity. They really look at the the risk of, you know, what happens if I do this and it doesn't go well. They don't usually spend as much time thinking about the risk of not doing something. Yeah. And the knowledge you gain, I mean, I think that's really what you've got to uh you've really got to make that also your, you know, one of your end goals. It's not how many locations can I open or how well can they do? It's if this all goes to hell tomorrow, if I've learned everything I've learned in the last three years, man, I could, I could do even something better the next time. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have had that knowledge three years ago, had, had, having not taken that first step. So that's such a good point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm curious what, what has, what is franchising? What is owning franchises? Really just becoming a business owner. What does that set you and your family on track to do that that you weren't already on track? I mean, you know, you had you've got a great career, right? Like I imagine you guys didn't need to start a franchise, right? It was something you wanted to do, right? And you had good reasons for it, but it wasn't like a Hey, we have to do this because otherwise our lifestyle is going to suffer. So what would you say owning businesses now has set you on track to do that you weren't, weren't maybe on track to prior to that? It's a great question, Wes. Um, I would tell you to break the cycle. And what I mean by that is, the majority of us, myself included, we're programmed to go to school, get a job, make a W-2, pay a lot of taxes. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if you get to your sixties, you'll, you'll have enough to hang up your cleats. Yeah. And, um, I don't know that I want that for my daughters. I have two young daughters that are watching what we're doing. And I don't know that I want that for them. I don't regret my journey because I learned so much from it. And there's a reason why I went through it, but I don't necessarily agree with that programming. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I have a neighbor of mine. He's actually a few doors down. A great guy. He actually, this was right when I started the journey about three years ago, he actually sent me a paper. He retired at 55 from Chrysler and it was a study done back in the nineties. And it talked about life expectancy and retirement age in corporate America. And so it looked at companies like IBM, Boeing, different companies. There was a trend and it basically showed that for anyone that ret- that worked beyond the age of 49, for every year that they worked, their life expectancy dropped by two years. Wow. Well, and guess what? The, paper, the study actually showed if you retired to 65 on average, if you stayed in corporate America, you have a life expectancy of 18 months beyond 65 on average. And they track this by looking to see when the pension stopped paying and why. And so if you think of, oh, you know, yeah. look around you. I mean, I see it in my own company. There's people in their late forties or fifties. You don't think their health issues is trying to pop up. Now I'm not saying it's all just corporate America is bad and it's pretty sure. health problem, but there's a stress tolerance that over time is more difficult to withstand. And I'm not saying franchising or owning your business doesn't come with stress and challenges, but I think it's a different kind. It, it is. is. Yeah, I agree. It's it's very different because it's you you own it, right? You, you, I, at least for us, the the stress has been far more tolerable because it's all tied to something that we're building for us versus this kind of thought of we're we're building this for for someone else. Um, 
that's interesting. That study. I mean, it's, I brought up Tim Ferriss earlier, but I, I read his book four hour work week. I mean, mm-hmm. probably seven or eight years ago. And it really changed the way I was thinking, you know, about what I wanted to do with my career. I just started getting into kind of the franchise world, working for some franchisors. So kind of, you know, surrounded by more entrepreneurial. I worked for a, a huge company right out of college for a couple of years. And, and at a, for a period of time, I was like, yeah, I just want to climb the ladder. Like I you know, want to be uh, vice president, whatever. Started kind of changing the way I thought about it. But, you know, Tim Ferriss in that book brings up an interesting point, And I don't remember exactly how he worded it, but essentially it's like, look, we are programmed to go to college, get the job, work until we're 65 and then retire and have this very little period at the end of our life where we kind of get to do what we want to do and live life. And he's like, unfortunately, a lot of people never even really take the time. Like they have this kind of vision of, all right, after I retire, this is what I want to do. But he's like, a lot of people get to that point and they realize I don't enjoy this. Like, you know, some people are like, I want to move and just live on the beach or I want to be able to play golf every day. And he's like, and then they get there. They realize I hate golf and I don't want to play golf every day. Right. But I worked my entire life to get here. So anyways, just again, a mindset shift. But but I love that, you know, break the cycle. Um, And I I think, you know, for someone like you, I would imagine just a new challenge. Right. You've you've had a lot of success over the course of your career, wanted to challenge yourself with something a little bit different, um, which which I can definitely relate to as well. Yeah. And I just realized, you know, as I, as I just dabbled my foot in the real estate and dabbled a little bit in the franchising, the returns I was seeing, and not only the returns, but um, the the tax advantage of those returns mm. was so much superior. I mean, hell, even if I have shares of company stock, the second I sell them, half of it goes to Uncle Sam. There ain't no two ways right. about it. That's right. Don't You can call your accountant all day long. They're taking it, guys. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the way the system's designed. And so, you know, when you have equity in your own company or you, or you have real estate and, you know, there's different avenues to, you know, have a tax advantage of those, it was far exceeding what I could earn as a high paid, paid sales executive in a very lucrative field. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, my wife could tell me, she's like, you know, the only regret you're going to have when you do this is looking back five years, kicking yourself, you didn't do it sooner. Because I know what, you're, what you can do and you're already seeing it. And I, I, you know, she believes in it and I believe in it. We'll see well, where it goes. Yeah. It's inspiring to hear. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. So you're, you're, I think you said at the end of the year, you're mm-hmm. kind of retiring from, from uh, the corporate job, transitioning more full-time into to entrepreneurship. So, I mean, as we sit here today, you know, obviously this could change, but you know, what do you see the next five to 10 years looking like? You've already kind of told us you've got the rights to open uh, three more stretch lab locations. Do you see yourself doing more in franchising, more in real estate? I mean, what do you kind of, especially as you have more time to focus on it, what's kind of the vision as of now? Yeah, great question. I've thought a lot about this. Look, for the next five, um, we want to get uh, the initial five locations open <clears throat> that we discussed. I think we'll do that well over the five-year you know, timeline for sure, but it's it's making sure we can adjust our mindset to grow teams to run without us and being okay with not perfection, but Hey, let's shoot for some excellence. Yep. I, then, you know, we'll probably reinvest um, a lot of that into real estate. Like I said, I was already heavily weighted on one side of things, which was stock, but we really want to go 
um, in, into the real estate deeply. Yeah. And so um, that I see us doing uh, over the next five years as well and growing that portfolio. What I've noticed in franchising, just in business, look, you're always going to have ups and downs. The economy is going to be up. It's going to be down. It's inevitable. But you notice people still survive and move forward decades and decades through just about wars, you name it, inflation, gas embargoes, pandemics, pandemics, right? And, and so what we've kind of noticed is if you're a good operator and you can run you know, a good business, when those downturns come, a lot of times there's an opportunity to maybe acquire someone that wasn't a good operator and grow and expand your portfolio. And um, so, you know, we'll be looking out for those opportunities. Maybe that's adding more stretch lines, maybe something completely different. Yeah. Uh, but I, I also see there's definitely a path of, you know, you can open a brand new location or you can acquire one and, that's and right. turn it into something higher performing. And sometimes that's even more lucrative. And I think that's probably our next wave to explore. And I've already had discussions around that and expressed my interest in that. Uh, so we'll see. I love that. That's smart. Um, that that's very smart. And, and I, I totally agree <clears throat> that, you know, when we have these kind of downtimes, the people that are willing to be a little more aggressive and are in a position to, to be a little more aggressive and, and, you know, smart with any sort of an investment, it's a great opportunity to really kind of level up in, in a big way. Um, you know, we, we kind of, I working towards very similar things as you, right? We've got these kind of pillars that we're trying to, to build out because we don't want all of our eggs in one basket. Uh, we kind of started with the, the franchises, right? Um, and that helped us get to a point where we didn't have to rely on employers. You know, we had good income, had more resources. So we've started getting into a little bit of real estate. Definitely want to do more of that. Um, and, and, you know, we've been, putting money into the market, but we're at a point now, especially as we kind of are in a downturn right now, like we're, we're going to get pretty darn aggressive and, and buy stuff while it's cheap uh, and, and just ride it out. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, some of the similarities in, in uh, you know, I guess the, the way of thinking, but I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, right now we're recording this in July of 2022. If you've got the resources, this is a time to get, to get aggressive in a smart way versus kind of hunkering down and, and having this mentality of, we just got to ride out the storm. Um, so I, I love hearing that. Um, what, what other advice would you share for someone listening? That's, you know, maybe had a lot of thoughts that, that are similar to what you've described that, that you and your wife are doing and working towards, but they're, they're a little further behind or they just haven't quite pulled the trigger yet. Any other, advice or anything you'd want to share with the audience? You know, um, talk to people that have done it mm. and you, what you're going to find is they had the same fears you did, the same obstacles you did. And if they can figure out a way to get it done, so can you, yeah. so can you just make your peace with it. I'll tell you, there was, I still remember vividly, this was probably six months ago. I hit a breaking point where I was considering getting out and selling and just walking away from the franchising. And the reason for that was the labor market was really tight. I'm trying to open a second location. I can't find talent to save my life. And I called David, you know, one of the seasoned franchise owners, and yeah. I talked it through with him. And he said, hey, man, you, you, I'd never forget his words. He just said, make sure you're not making an emotional decision because of a speed bump. Ooh, yeah. And I said, huh, you know what? Because he goes, it may be shorter term than you think. Mm. 
And so what happened was, since I was struggling to find talent, it caused us to innovate. And I, got, I found some other avenues to recruit. Long, long and short, we actually built out a, the best team we've had. We're fully staffed. Wow. And had I, in that moment, bailed out early and just sold for probably a fraction of what it would have been worth for sustain the course, and that innovation helped me learn how to now recruit even better, I would have regretted it. Yeah. So when you get those dark moments, pick up the phone and call someone who's had it too and talk it through uh, and don't make an emotional knee jerk. Such good advice. Uh, talk to people that are doing, have already done the things you're trying to do. It's, it's such good advice. And, and it's another great thing about, you know, being in a, in a great franchise brand, right? Or in this case, a great family of brands with exponential because, not only do you have the chance to talk to people that are maybe further ahead of you, but like literally they're building the same business that you're building, right? So the yeah. challenges, the frustrations, the problems, they're very familiar with them. And, and that can be a tremendous resource, especially as a newer owner uh, in a franchise, being able to talk to more experienced franchise owners. That's something that you know, you can't necessarily put a dollar amount on when you're doing the due diligence, but it's it's so intrinsically valuable and and um, something I always point out to people. So great advice. Yeah, have, have your tribe. You know, you got to build a little mm. bit of a tribe of people. And, uh, you know, Wes, I, I hope to have you in my tribe, man. It sounds like we got so, a lot of similarities, right? Likewise. Uh, have people in your tribe to help you out in those moments. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I don't know what else we can uh, we can wrap this up on uh, a better note than than with that piece of advice right there. But yeah, Henry, man, really glad that we connected. Looking forward to getting to know you and and Ada better. Um, and you know, just wish you continued success with Stretch Lab, uh, your transition into kind of full time entrepreneurship, and all the other ventures that uh, you know you guys may get into in the future. So really, really appreciate you taking time to share your story. Uh, I know that everyone who listens is going to get a ton of value from it. So really, really appreciate you dropping in here on the path to freedom podcast. Thanks Wes. Been a pleasure. And, uh, you know, any, any of your listeners that, you know, want to bounce something off me, my line's always open. I, I feel it's my duty and mission to help others with, with the journey as well and pay it back. So I love that. Are you all right? If I put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, that'll make it easy for people to, to find you that way. If they want to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Henry. Thank you so much, man. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.